all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Now, if you don't know, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And so go to the first book, grab the one in the pew in front of you if you don't have yours. Go to page 15. As we conclude this short series of messages, we go back to the root of all that we've been talking about in the last two messages. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As some moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and they settled there. They said to each other, come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Editorially, as God said to do in chapter 9. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that these men were building. Jesus, the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan, nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. And God said, come, let us go down and confuse the language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over the face of the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it's called Babel. Because there, the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Father, we confess that without your Holy Spirit opening our eyes and our hearts and our minds, we cannot understand, fully comprehend what your Holy Spirit had inspired Moses to write in these words. And so we ask you in the name of Jesus and in the power of the cross and through the blood that was shed for us, open our eyes that we may see wonderful truth from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the story of the confusing of the language and the tongues of the Babylonians is really well known to most people. But what is less familiar, what is less known, what is less understood is the very heart of that rebellion that motivated them to construct this building, this, con this, this tower, 
in ancient Babylon. How do I know this? Well, I don't make the stuff up. I only get it from the Word of God. Nimrod stated it there. It's very clear, spelled out. He stated the purpose of that building and that tower. It's very, very clear. Let me give you a Yusuf translation, okay? They want to find a religion without God. They wanted to find peace, joy, and fulfillment apart from God. They want to find spirituality without the Holy Spirit. They want to find satisfaction without God's presence. I know it's not going to come as a surprise to most of you to know that in the West right now, in this moment in which we're living in the 21st century, in the West, we have a Babylonian revival of sorts that's taking place right across the Western world. Beyond all of the millions of people who are following the uh, occult, uh, the millions of people who are following fortune-telling and tarot cards reading and the horoscopes, there are large groups of people right across the Western world who have banded together in order to keep God out of public life. And the reason I chose to highlight the World Economic Forum in the last two messages is because they are the most known, the most powerful, the most vocal, the wealthiest group on the face of the earth who want to have a society, who want to have a utopia without God, who are deliberately saying God is obsolete. In fact, Yuval Harari, whom video you saw with your own eyes and heard with your own ears at the very first message, who's a consultant to World Economic Forum, he said the following, and I quote, we're really acquiring divine powers of creation and destruction. We are upgrading humans into gods. Now, isn't that what I just read? That's what the Babylonians, that's what Nimrod said. That's exactly what he said. Himirat, please. The tragic part about this and what's going on in the Western world is that these are all lands that have been Christian lands for nearly 2,000 years. That's the tragic part. Now, I'm told that there are millions, literally, probably hundreds of millions of people who order their lives based on astrology. It, they, they, they cannot move without consulting with astrologers. Uh, they decide how to eat and what to eat, where to go, when to go, and literally all of their lives based on what is called the lining of the stars. I'm going to explain that in a minute. I'm also told that Hitler was known for his fascination with astrology and the lining up of the stars. He was utterly dependent on the stars for all of his activities. Good that that did him. Well, one day, 
so the story goes, he went to one of those astrologers and because he, he was really obsessed with death. He, he was terrified of death. And so he asked the astrologer to tell him, when will he die? Well, well that uh, astrologer said, um, you will die on a Jewish holiday. He said, how do you know that? He said, because the day you die, it will be a Jewish holiday. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now, beloved, the human tendency to follow the horoscope and the stars instead of obeying the holy, righteous God who created the stars goes all the way back to that Tower of Babel. I want to explain that to you. Here's the background to it so you can follow with me. After the flood, Noah and his family came out of the ark and he had three children, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the Lord said to them, spread throughout the earth and multiply. That's in Genesis chapter 9, just two pages over. <laughs> But there is in Genesis chapter 9 also a very disturbing story, very disturbing story, where Noah got drunk after the harvesting of the first vineyard after the flood. Ham, his son, exposed his father's sin and ridiculed his father. As a result, Noah cursed Ham's son, Canaan, from which we get the Canaanites. Please be careful. I'm just going to stop here for a moment. Uh, to parents, please be very careful what you say to your children. Amen. Choose your words very carefully. Always bless them. Even when you are rebuking them, bless them and not curse them. On the other hand, Shem, the son who honored his father, God honored him, and his descendant was Abraham. Ham was cursed, and his descendants were cursed. The Canaanites, who were constantly like sand in the eyes of God's people, the Israelites. One of Ham's descendants, a fourth generation from him, a mighty warrior by the name of Nimrod. By the way, when the Bible said he was a mighty warrior, it doesn't mean like Rainbow and, you know, strong guy, mighty in battle. No, no, no. It wasn't a military man, but he's a founder of a state. That's what's called a warrior. He was a proud man. He was an independent king. He was not, uh, would not even dream of being subject to a slave to his brother, as the curse said. He wouldn't dream of being a servant of God. He felt that there is no need to worship God God's way. Uh, he devoted his life to the building of a civilization that is opposed to, the, to God and to his will and to his word. And that is why Nimrod's decision to build a tower or a structure was the natural step in the progression of sin. I want you to listen carefully because it works with individuals, even with believers, as it worked in history. 
the whole humanity story is a story, if you read it very carefully, of a progression of sin. Oh, beloved, listen to me. Sin never stayed a sin. It multiplies. The first stage we see in the Scripture is that of Adam and Eve, who disobeyed God when he said, eat from all of this, these trees except for this one. The devil came, tempted them, and they broke the command of God, the Word of God. And so they were kicked out of the garden. But when they got kicked out of the garden, they didn't go too far away. They stayed very close to the garden. In, in other words, they were stayed close to the presence of God. But the next stage was Cain, when he was tempted by the devil to worship God his way, not God's way, and killed his brother Abel. And he ended up being a wanderer all over the face of the earth. But the third stage is inevitable, is inevitable. The third stage in that progression of sin is Nimrod establishing a whole civilization in opposition to God. Not just without God, but in opposition to God. Beloved friends, don't ever forget, don't ever forget, small sin does not stay small unless it's repented of. Small sin does not remain small. Sin always progresses into darker and deeper place. Oh, Nimrod, had he repented, had he confessed, had he turned to the Lord, the Lord would have lifted the curse of him and his family. But he refused to turn to the Lord in humility and surrender to God. Why? Because that would have required him relinquishing of his own sovereignty of himself. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. <laughs> this is a biblical principle from cover to cover. From cover to cover, from cover to cover. Our peace, joy, and true contentment comes only when we relinquish control and surrender to the sovereign God. Can I get an amen? amen. Please don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. It is that sin of refusing God's authority that brought about every heartache, every pain, every suffering that you see all around you. Every heartache, every pain, every suffering that you see around you is the result of that original sin. And that is why Jesus came from heaven. Jesus came from heaven to take away the curse upon himself of everyone who would repent and turn to him. And that is why those who reject Jesus' sacrifice on the cross to be for them, they choose, they choose to live and die under that curse, that original curse. Only those who submit to Jesus Christ will see that this curse of sin is lifted out of them. Only those who submit to Jesus Christ will see the curse removed from them. Only those who come to Christ will see the curse of sin has been cast away forever. 
Only those who come to Christ will see the curse of sin has been healed. Only those who come to Christ will see the consequences of all of sin have been forgiven. And as a result, for us who know and love Jesus, our joy and peace here and now and for all of eternity comes from knowing that we are totally forgiven. Now, today, the mindset of those who choose to live under the curse of that original sin, listen to me, the mindset is this. We don't need God, we have science. We don't need God, we have artificial intelligence. We don't need God, we have supercomputers. We don't need God, we can save ourselves. Please think, think, think long and hard with me, please, about this prevailing attitude. Give us enough money and time, we'll accomplish anything. Give us enough research and technology, and we can conquer anything. And then comes a teeny weeny, teeny weeny, teeny weeny virus that you can't even see under a giant microscope called Corona, and it shut the whole world down. And God says, hey, where's your science? You know, the most amazing thing to me, you see this in the news and the outlets, and you see it from, for, in hearings in Senate and other places, and you hear this, and it's like, the science said, and then you get another guy who comes and says something the exact opposite and said, the science said. Two signs can't even agree. Nimrod's action is a reflection of this modern attitude. You see, Nimrod, nothing new under the sun, right? Nimrod made a god of his own ambitions and pride. Ah, but soon he discovered that God cannot be defied. He could not defy God. Our God always what? Nimrod wanted to build a civilization like the folks at the World Economic Forum have been trying to do and bring the whole world under one world government. But the whole purpose is they want to make God to be obsolete. That's what they want, God to be obsolete. And we take his place. And from that time on, Babylon, or the Tower of Babel, had become to represent all kinds of rebellion against the one holy God and his word. And that is why the book of Revelation talks about the mystery of Babylon. You know, book of Revelation is revealed, right? So it reveals to us, was known back then as the mystery of Babylon. What is that mystery of Babylon? Listen to me very carefully, please. Is that God destroys any civilization, any culture that rebels against him. That's the mystery of Babylon. Our God always what? The Babylonian said, let's start building a building or a structure that can connect us to heaven, connect us to the starry host. And before I go any further, I need to explain to you 
this form of rebellion, this form of rebellion, I need to tell you that we do not know all the details, all the details of that event. We only know what the Word of God tells us. And as you've known this for years, I do not move beyond or above or beneath whatever the Word of God says. I stay with it. And the Word of God makes it absolutely clear that God brought Nimrod's grandiose scheme to a grinding halt. Praise God. And they ended up in confusion. Confusion. Let's look at this event in details, okay? Because you, you have to understand it in context. First of all, the word Babel is an Akkadian word. It's spelled A-K-K-A-D-I-N. Akkadian. It's an Akkadian word means gateway to God or gateway to heaven. And the tower that Nimrod built was Zagarat. What is that, you ask? <laughs> it's a type of religious structure that later became very common in ancient Mesopotamia. Like the pyramids of Egypt, I'm going to come to those in a minute. I'm going to tell you more about the, 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 the buildings, the, the, the pyramids. But here's a, uh, 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 this is many years later, kind of an artist's uh, rendition of what he thought this Tower of Babel would have looked like. Of course, some people said it's inspired the building of the European Parliament. Other Europeans said, no, 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 our building is designed on the Roman Colosseum. Uh, either way, it doesn't matter to me, makes no difference. Big question is this, why did Babylon come to occupy such a major significance in the Bible? Why? Why did it occupy major significance? Because Babylon became a symbol of independence from God. It became a symbol of independence from God. But there's more than that. It came to represent enmity with God. I shared with you in the first message when God said to the descendants of Noah, scatter, multiply, fill the earth, Nimrod said, no. No. He didn't say no, but he basically said no. We have a better plan. We have a better, better plan. plan. We're going to build ourselves a city, and we're going to connect us, that city, that tower, that structure is going to connect us with the universe is going to connect us with the starry hosts. Now, don't miss this. Please don't miss this. This statement is the first well-organized human opposition to God. The Babylonian vision is to have a culture and to have a civilization with humanity in charge, not God, not God. But before I get carried away, and you know I can easily get carried away about these things, so I'm going to give you three things, and uh, I hope you'll write them down, regarding three things regarding the Tower of Babel. First of all, it was a vision for a city without God. Secondly, 
they were on a mission to steal the glory of God. And thirdly, they ultimately wanted to worship the self instead of God. Let's look at these very, very quickly, very quickly. First, this is the first organized formal rejection of God. Nimrod, Satan-like, listen carefully, Satan-like, he wanted a great empire with his own religious system, not God's. Why? Because he wanted to make God totally unnecessary. God is totally unnecessary. When they stopped prayer at school, because God was totally unnecessary. When they removed the name of Jesus, totally unnecessary. When they removed the Ten Commandments, totally unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. Oh, my beloved friends. When people reject the one true God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, knowingly or knowingly, they are embracing false gods. Revelation 17 depicts Babylon as a woman with mysterious title. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and the abomination of the earth. The mystery of Babylon very simply is this. The refusal of any institution, of any society, of any government, of any business, and of any denomination to submit to the authority of God and the Word of God. In fact, all of the false gods of ancient times, whether it be in Egypt or India or Rome or Greece, all originated in Babylon. That's where they come from. And that is why I started the whole series of messages by showing you what the World Economic Forum is all about before I could get here. I had to do that before I get here. Listen to me, please. I know some of you did not like this series. I understand that. Believe me, I understand that. I, 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 I cannot tell you how long I've been trying to put it off. But I did it under compulsion, compulsion, compulsion by the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you what summarizes my life. What summarizes my life and ministry for the past 52 years of preaching is Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel 33, God said to Ezekiel, have a watchman on the tower. And if the watchman sees danger coming and does not warn the people, and then they suffer, the watchman got blood on his hands. But if the watchman sees danger coming and warns the people, and the people refuse to listen. His hands are clean. Beloved, that summarized basically motivation, my motivation of preaching. But in order to understand the end times which we are in right now, 
you have to understand the beginning of times. Because as it was in the beginning, it's going to be at the end. But the second thing I want to show you is that they were on a mission to steal the glory of God. When Nimrod and the Babylonians said, let's build a tower that reaches to the heavens, they were not. <laughs> they were not. They were not. Say that with me. Because I, I know some people kind of get this m m messed up. <laughs> they were not actually thinking of a, a physical tower, a physical height in which they'll be able to touch the sky. Uh, they were not that stupid. And now we think we're smarter than everybody else in history. But they weren't that stupid. If they really want to do this and build something tall to reach the sky, <laughs> like our skyscrapers, they should have gone up to the mountains. At least gives them a leg up, right? Are you with me? You go to the top of the mountain, you start building. They were down in the valley in Shinar. I mean, that is about sea level. About sea level. No, it was nothing to do about, you know, reaching out and touching someone. It wasn't. When the Bible talks about reach the heavens, is a figure of speech. It's a figure of speech. The implication is that the roof of that building is dedicated to the worship of the zodiac, the heavenly bodies, the stars. It was from Babylon that astrology, which is the belief that the stars and the planets influence human affairs. This diabolical thinking passed from Babylon to the rest of the world. Some of you are old enough, you remember when President Reagan, a lovely man, uh, there was an attempt to sue, uh, of, of, of murder by Hinckley Jr., uh, attempt assassination, he was wounded. His wife, Nancy, from that time on, brought an astrologer into the White House in order to, to decide when the President Reagan would go, where he goes, with who to see, what, what time he goes, what time he shouldn't go. Why is astrology, uh, by the way, not astronomy, the two different things altogether, in case you don't know, you go, go and Google it, okay? <laughs> Thank God for all. <laughs> you have. Astronomy is very different from astrology. The reason astrology is an abhorrent to God is because they are worshiping the stars, which is disguised in a form of worshiping demons. Whenever and whoever worship creation, knowingly or knowingly are worshiping demons. Here's a biblical fact. I pray to God you'll never, 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 never forget this. Please, those who look to the stars for a key to their destiny, those who are dedicated followers of horoscope, they are following Satan and his demonic forces under the guise of the zodiac. Oh, beloved, listen to me. That is Satan modus operandi. That's what he, when Lucifer 
wanted to be worshipped instead of God, and God kicked him out of heaven. From that moment on, from that time, he has been doing everything. He was trying everything. They do all, he's doing all that he could to get people's eyes off the God of heaven, the creator of the stars, and the creator of the universe to take their eyes off the one true God and unto himself, even if he is disguised. No wonder the Bible said that he appears as an angel of light. You see, Satan's first attempt in getting worship started with the first parents, or the, the first couple, Adam and Eve. He started there, and he started to tempt them. And as a result, they got kicked out of the garden. Then he deceived Cain into trying to worship God his way. Cain saw his parents and God offering a sacrifice, an innocent lamb to, for the forgiveness of sin. His brother Abel followed mom and dad, offered a sacrifice. I'm going to come to God my way. I'm going to give him some fruit from my my land. No, it doesn't matter. That could be more expensive than Abel's, but Abel did it God's way. And so he ended up murdering his brother Abel. And he became a wanderer on the face of the earth. Then after the flood, Satan deceived Ham's descendants into worshiping the stars. And today Satan continues. He continues his effort of deceiving all sorts of people, all sorts of people. The World Economic Forum, they're highlighted because they're the most powerful, they're the most known, and, but, but there are all sorts of groups of people who are continuing, some innocently, some are not. They believe in building a worldwide civilization or a utopia under one world government without God. I'll make a prediction. I'll make a prediction. I don't know how long the Lord is going to give me to be on this earth. I may not see it. Some of you might see it, but I'll make a prediction. They will suffer the same fate as the Babylonians have received. <laughs> Utter confusion. Our God always what? Here's what some of you may consider to be trivia, but I believe it's very important. Did you know, for example, that the pyramids of Egypt, I've been there a few times, <laughs> the pyramids of Egypt are constructed in relationship to the stars. As a matter of fact, the Sphinx itself, the head of a woman symbolizes Virgo, and the body of a lion symbolizing Leo. Virgo is the first sign in the zodiac. Leo is the last. In fact, the term sphinx means joining. <laughs> is the meaning the uh, joining of the two points of the zodiac. But here's something else that you read over and over and over and over again in the Old Testament. After 400 years of God's people being in slavery of Egypt, 400 years. When they came out of there, 
I was going to say knee deep. They were deep into their eyeballs in the stuff, in the worshiping of the zodiac. And that is why in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, God over and over and over again, sometimes you think, God, you're so patient. Not to worship the stars, not to worship the heavenly host, not to worship the occult. Don't get into astrology when you go to Canaan. Why? Because it is a disguised worship of demons. And that is why Babylon is a symbol of stealing of the glory of God. Not that anybody can, but the attempt. Worshiping or following the stars is an attempt to rob God who is the creator of the stars, of his splendor, and handing it over to the devil. It's a rejection of the truth, embracing falsehood. Babylon vision was a city without God, utopia without God. Babylon mission was to steal the glory of God. Thirdly, Babylonians thought about self-worship. That's all they were about. Question, what motivated them to build such a structure? Here's what they said. I didn't say that, they said that. We're going to make a name for ourselves. It was for the glory of us. Please don't miss this. Please don't miss this. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Self-preservation Self-preservation is a gift from God. Did you know that? Did you know that fear is a gift from God? And God gives us those gifts for survival. He gives us these gifts to, so that, 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 that we may self-propagate. But leave it to the devil. He takes every gift that God gives us and he perverts it. The gift of fearing God, he makes it fear people. Fear things, fear life. The gift of self-preservation, he turns it into idol worship. Idol worship. Satan turns the gift of preservation and survival into self-worship. Self-worship. Now, I don't have to tell you how in the West today more than any time that I remember in my lifetime or even sometime in history. The one true God is being rejected and the self reigns supreme. And we have a magazine called Self. Is it still in publication? I remember used to see it. <clears throat> From politicians to the advertising industry to the powerful media that we have, to educational system. Self is a king or, or a queen. Huh. In education, the buzzwords are self-worth, self-esteem. As a matter of fact, you take the prefix self and you just fill, it, fill in the space. This insane emphasis on feelings, 
and insisting that everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> the deliberate manipulation of children. God said they're better off to have a millstone around their neck and be drowned than what they're doing to children in this culture. At least now it's as bright as the daylight. Everybody can see it. It's not disguised anymore. Why? Because of the powerful God of self. Please listen to me. That powerful God of self knows no limits. This powerful God of self has no boundaries. This powerful God of self invades every territory, including some churches. Sadly, inside that cult of self, Sadly, inside that cult of self, built in self-destruction. Self-destruction. Beloved, listen to me. God allows no one to steal his glory. God does not have any rivals or equals. God does not accommodate to idols. God does not negotiate with false gods. And that is why we see in the end of the book of Revelation... That mighty Babylon is destroyed. Anyone in opposition to God will be destroyed. Our God always what? Wins. And that is why we read in Genesis eleven seven. God said, let's go down. <laughs> As if God really needed to come down. But that's the language and help human beings to understand. God said, let's go down and confuse the language. <laughs> Listen. The assembly and the council of men gathered and they made a decision. We're going to go up our way. God says, I'm going to come down. We're going to go up. He said, I'm going to come down and I'm going to show you. (laughs) You see, when the council of men decided they're going to go up, the council of the Holy Trinity in heaven (laughs) also convened. And we said, we'll go down. And bring judgment. Oh, beloved, listen to me. I'm about to finish. The counsel of God always, always, always prevail. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 1:11, God accomplishes all things. How many? According to the counsel of his will. They said, we'll go up. God said, now wait, I'm coming down. (laughs) Now, of course, if you stand in the street and you look up the Empire State Building or one of the skyscrapers, you can hardly see the top. But if you are on top of that Empire State Building looking down, people look like ants if you can see them. See, that's how God looks down. He's looking at these ants, <laughs> deciding to have a society or, or, or a culture or the world without him. But praise God, God ultimately came down not to condemn us, but to give us the opportunity to be redeemed for every repentant sinner to be redeemed. 
He came down in order that he may give us the opportunity for everyone to receive, who received Jesus Christ as their only Savior. Those who have received Jesus' death on the cross to be for them, they'll be eternally saved. God came down in Christ to offer us a way of salvation. God came down to lift up the curse from everyone who put his trust in him. God came down to deliver us from hell for every repentant sinner. God came down to pay the wages and the consequences of every repentant sinner. God came down to lift up the curse of that original sin from the life of every repentant sinner anywhere in the world. And now we watched in live in about 190 countries. Whether they'll be here or for those watching around the world, the arms on the cross were stretched for a reason. They say, come to me. And that is why only Jesus could say that. There is no founder of another religion. There is no religious system. There is no religious leader who could ever say this. Only Christ could say this. Come unto me, all who are thirsty, and I'll give you the water of life. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And this invitation for everyone who would prevail themselves on that invitation, every corner of the globe, anyone who forsake the God of self and turn to the only one true God who died on the cross for you. I was watching something that tore me inside about a mega church pastor in Texas who turned his back on Christ altogether, on the faith altogether, wrote a book, very, very large book, and I was reading a summary of it. And he said he was hurt by the congregation, he was offended by the I literally wept. I said, you walk away from the only one who loves you, the only one who died on the cross for you, because you hurt? Give me a break. In a moment, I'm going to ask our musicians to come up. And as they sing, as you know, at the end of the service, all our pastoral team are down here to pray with you if you need a special prayer. But feel free. If you want to come while the singing is going on and you want to come and pray, just on your own, between you and God, please do that. If you're responding for the first time, or maybe you have forsaken the faith and you want to come back to Christ, whatever it is, nobody's going to judge you here. And if they do, it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> Amen? Let's stand and bless the Lord in a song. Thanks.